Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to today's Women's Football Digest. I'm your host, Natasha Henry, and we've got two writers this week. The illness is passing through my team, but we'll get there. We've got Hannah. How are you today, Hannah Pinnock? Yeah, I'm doing a little bit better this week. Glad to hear it. And our chief reporter, Jack Lacey Hatton. I know it's a big night for you tonight as a Newcastle fan, but women's football, it's been an exciting couple of weeks, hasn't it? It's a huge couple of weeks, Natasha. Yeah, I'm excited for tonight, but also, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into uh, some some WSL chat. Cool. Let's get started then. I mean, we have to start with England. Um, a great result on the night, 6-0. Wonderful goals. Brilliant goal from Lucy Bronze at the end. But the Netherlands result means they don't go to the Olympics. So we spoke about this last week. Jack, is this a blessing in disguise? For, I know Team GB and there's other players that could have benefited from going to the Olympics, but in particular, the England squad. Is it maybe something that Serena's a bit relieved about? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think... So Serena didn't say that, for, you know, uh, directly after the game um, in, a, in a press conference, but I think secretly there has to be some sort of... There's got to be some sort of relief um, behind the scenes that, that we're not having a, another consecutive summer of these players not getting any rest. I mean, all the players that, you know, the ones that did come through after the game in the mix zone and and, and have spoken since will tell you that, that they want to play at every major tournament, which of course, natural, they're, you know, they're com- professional athletes with competitive levels off, off the chart. So yeah, they were, they all wanted to be there. But I, I definitely think it's a blessing uh, in disguise. And it's something I was, I was thinking about a lot when I was there, uh, yeah, coming coming on the way back from Glasgow on a on a delayed train, I was thinking that they that overall this time in twelve months those players will be better for having not gone to the Olympics. And I think with obviously it would have been uh, Serena would have been in charge of that team, so I think we can safely assume it would have been pretty much like you say majority England players. Um, the ones who went to the World Cup in particular last summer, I think, have not had any rest coming into this season. So the idea of them them playing another international tournament, I, I just think that physically that would have been would have taken a lot out of them. So it's it's disappointing, obviously, from a from a view of us, you know, England uh, journalists and 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 supporting the team. Um, and I I always like the concept of of Team GB, and I, I think the, the women's football tournament at the Olympics is a you know we, we forget in this country how important that is around the world, and 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 uh, and how important that is to the history of the game. Um, so it's disappointing in that sense, but uh, yeah, overall I agree. I think it'll be a, a definitely a blessing in disguise, is the way to put it. Yeah, I, me- I remember being there the, in the uh, 2012 and, and seeing the team. Hannah, thinking about specific players, someone like Rachel Daly, who's who's had maybe not as an amazing start to the season as she did last year. Will club managers, you know, people like Carla Ward, again, be thinking, I'm kind of glad that, you know, Rachel and and players like that are going to be sitting at home with their feet up or sitting on a, on a sun lounger somewhere. Will the, the WSL managers again be relieved as much as Serena is? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, we we saw how packed out the schedule has been, you know, at the start of this season, you know, 
barely even a month after sort of losing that World Cup final, they were back in Nations League action. It's competitive games that they have to win. So Serena can't afford to rotate or, or bring other players in because she's got to go, you know, with her strongest eleven every game to give them any chance of qualifying. So absolutely, I I, th- I think you know for. for for the players, obviously, as Jack said, it's it's disappointing and, and they do want to play at every tournament, particularly when you think about players like Rachel Daly, like Lucy Bronze that, you know, are sort of nearing on their thirties now, you know, it, football's a short career and, and it's difficult to say whether or not they'll have many, if any other sort of chances at playing at an Olympics. So it is disappointing for them in that respect, but absolutely with the sheer number of fixtures and, and players like Millie Bright have called it out as well in, in terms of how packed out the schedule is and, and that it's the, the players' sort of well-being that's being put at risk in terms of injuries and stuff like that. So it's one of those where, where club managers are probably every international break just crossing absolutely everything on their body to make sure that, that their players come back fit and, and not injured because it is a you know becoming a bit of a grueling schedule. So, you know, hopefully that the next year without a major tournament and the summer will sort of provide Serena with that sort of breathing room to maybe start bedding younger talent into the squad because you know she can afford to play them in friendlies or games that don't have much jeopardy so um yeah it is absolutely I think a blessing in disguise I I don't think there's any sort of two ways about that when you think you know it would have been about five major tournaments back to back it's just absolutely mental and it's not just the physical toll it's the mental toll as well that it takes on these players you know we want to talk about the Euros and England potentially retaining that title but if they were you know on the back of a you know it could have been a potentially disappointing Olympics and another heartbreak and you know that that could have sort of had a really big toll um, going into another big summer in 2025 when it's the Euros, which I think is what a lot of England fans will definitely have their eyes on. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, the, the, the fixture list and the schedule has been something that is becoming an, a bigger conversation. I think we definitely have to be careful about, you know, the physical and the emotional well-being of the players. Back to the WSL, another busy weekend um, before we head into the Christmas break. Obviously, we've only got one set of games left this weekend, but we're going to look at last weekend first. So we started at Man City, who beat Aston Villa 2-1. Arsenal at the Emirates. Sorry, I can't contain my smile. Beat Chelsea 4-1. Still in shock at that. Brighton um, and Hove Albion, 2-2 draw with Leicester City. Liverpool drew with Bristol City. Everton won away at West Ham with a 1-0 win and Man United battered Tottenham 4-0 away. I mean, we can't start anywhere but at the Emirates. I think um, this was the biggest game of the weekend. We spoke about it last week. And while it was a great for Arsenal, while it was great for Arsenal, Jack, do we feel it was really disappointing for Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, I, I did expect more from, from Chelsea. I was just surprised at how sort of the first 20 minutes in particular, it felt more like a basketball game that is so end to end and such an, such an open game. Often when like two top sides meet, how many times have we seen it? It's, it's cagey and more like a chess match than, than a, than a football game. But this was just so open and, and Emma Hayes right from the off, uh, it was sort of sat just in front of us um, from where the press box is at the Emirates. And, and yeah, you could see her that she was, she was agitated almost from the word go. 
immediately. Like I wouldn't have liked to have been Neve Charles or Je- or Jess Carter on that left hand side because he was just going at them um, from, from from the start, trying to sort of yeah readjust tactically and to, to to stop Arsenal causing them problems. But they weren't able to. I thought that Arsenal were absolutely outstanding um, from the first minute. Just played with such an energy and intensity that. Um, few teams could have coped with even even Chelsea on a good day uh, let alone Chelsea having sort of a yeah a bit of an off day and just just too many players from them I think underperforming and and not 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 at their best like Lauren James I didn't think had a great game um Newskin was was sloppy in midfield J- Jess Carter and 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 Mielder at the back were sort of just bullied by Alessia Russo really from 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 kickoff and uh, and yeah Arsenal were absolutely Fantastic, but it was a it was a game where just you, you used to expect more from Chelsea in these sort of big head to head clashes. We expect them to to keep it tight and to keep it uh, to to just be more defensively solid. I suppose um, well, that was probably the the biggest the biggest shock of the the game. But but yeah, can't, can't take anything away from from Arsenal. Yeah, I I, I would have loved to have been a fly. Um, on the wall of the Chelsea dressing room to to see Emma's reaction to that. I know it's very cliche to say this, Hannah, but is there a concern that Emma announcing her departure so early could actually affect the team? Do we? Because there was a bit of a malaise about Chelsea that I've never seen. I, I always watch Chelsea and think, even if they're losing one nil, they can still win two one. If they're losing three nil, they can still win four three. Is there a concern that they will? not continue in the way they have been, knowing that Emma is leaving at the end of the season? I think in general, it's been a bit of a, a, a weird season in the sense of everyone's kind of dropped points um, at times where you wouldn't necessarily expect them to, which I think maybe opens up the title race a little bit wider than than it has been in previous years. And, and you're right, it was probably the worst we, we've seen Chelsea in, in a very, very long time. Um, whether or not, it's it's got anything to do with Emma leaving. I, I'm not entirely sure. I suppose you know they've got some big injuries in that squad at the moment. When you think about the likes of of Millie Bright being out, I know Emma spoke post match about how big of a miss she was for the team um, against Arsenal. You can kind of see, you know, maybe how much they struggle um, without her, particularly in the, those big games against teams that you know are actually very good. So. Um, it, it, it will be interesting to see sort of over the course of the season what impact that has. Obviously, um, you know, some players have already sort of committed their future to, to the clubs. I, I think it was Guru Wrighton that signed a new contract. So it, it doesn't seem to be impacting players in that regard in terms of their own futures with Emma not being there. But it, it may well be in, in the back of the players' minds and, and maybe there's that edit, added element of pressure of maybe wanting to, to win the league title another time, you know, so, so Emma can almost leave on a high in, in, in that respect. So um, it, it's, it's interesting that it'll be interesting, one, to see how Chelsea bounce back in the Champions League this week, but also with a game against Bristol City over the weekend. It's probably one of the more favourable fixtures in the WSL that they would have maybe preferred to, to sort of come back to after a disappointing defeat rather than playing another a title rival or, or one of the teams sort of like, Liverpool sort of level at the moment who who could get a result against them. So probably a more favourable fixture in that regard. But Bristol City have, you know, shown at times this season that they are there to compete and they're not going to bow down to anyone. So that that will still be a tough game. And if they can end the end the year on a positive note, then um 
I'm sure they'll be back firing in the, in the new year, but um, definitely a, a, a blip from Chelsea that, that we've, you know, we're, we're not used to seeing. We're so used to seeing them be so consistent and, you know, not, not necessarily losing the game against Arsenal, but losing it in the manner in which they did, I, I think is the, the more concerning thing from Chelsea's perspective. Yeah, I mean, Lauren James, we we all know how good she is. And, you know, I've raved about her on this pod several times. But we can all agree she has a, she has potential to have petulance on the pitch, as we saw again, we've seen for England. Jack, you know, when, you, when we have players like this, are opponents going to target her now they see this? I don't want to say it's becoming a habit because it's not, but it's happened a couple of times in a small period of time do you think opponents are going to target her knowing that she she has that little trigger where she can just kick out yeah I, it's, it's a good question I, I, I part of me thinks that they will because how else do you sort of get the better of lauren james that she's you know when she's on a on a game she she at times is unplayable and i've seen it myself this season i think that, that liverpool game a few weeks ago you know that day she was just absolutely untouchable um but there are that this is an element that's creeping in, um, and naturally, it's happened. Like you say, it's happened twice in, in quite a short space of time. I mean, she was—I thought she was really lucky not to be not to be sent off at the weekend. Um, and you could sort of, you could almost tell it was coming. She'd had a couple of like battles with Beth Mead as well, where I thought down, down the wing, where I thought, oh, she could have. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a few there. few little digs and niggles, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely it was that sort of that sort of game and. I don't necessarily think that brings out the best in her. I mean, clearly she, she, she's a winner. She, she, you know, she wants to be one of the best players in the league and in the world. Um, and so when a team's getting a, getting a, a pasting as they were on Sunday, she's obviously, that's obviously going to bring frustration, but she's got to learn to, to manage that and, and not react um, because Ch- Chelsea need her. They, they, you know, they, and had they gone down to 10 players, I mean, they could have lost to be fair five or six, one, anyway towards the end when they were committing numbers forward if they had done that with 10 players I think would have been yeah it, it could have got really sort of even more embarrassing for them um, but I I, I I think yeah it's definitely a weak spot that opponents could be looking to target and something that she just has to she has to bring this discipline into a game I, I was actually surprised to see her in the starting lineup because for a lot of Chelsea's for the real big games Emma over the last sort of year or so is still Left her on the bench or, it, or brought her on to, as an impact player. That's a that's a great uh, that's a great point. Do we think Hannah or Jack? Um, do you think there's a reason? Does Emma not? I hate to say, it, does Emma possibly not trust her as much in those big games, Hannah? Um, quite possibly. I I think we forget how young Lauren James is. Sometimes you know she's so early on in her career, and and she's got sort of. I, I think Jack's right. She's probably got quite a bit of maturing to do in in that respect because um we saw how it impacted England at the World Cup and and that was a huge blow just having her out for for the games that we did because she is that good of a player you want her you do want her on the pitch and she does have you know the capability of of completely transforming a game and and sort of turning it around whether that's starting or or on the bench um th- there is a possibility of that but I, I think if anything you know Chelsea do have 
or you know have done for a long time quite an embarrassment of riches in in all sort of positions so um keeping Lauren on on the bench may well just be because there's other players in in the squad that that are playing better or in better form at, at that moment in time but um you know Lauren is as time goes on becoming not just a key player for Chelsea, but a key player for, for England as well. So, um, you know, that there will come times where, where she is undroppable, but um, I think if there's any manager that that's, you know, sort of going to keep a lid on that sort of moving forward, I, I think Emma's probably the one. It's just how that sort of pans out once Emma's no longer at Chelsea and, and whether or not a new manager coming in can sort of have that same level of impact with her. But um yeah, it's 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 disappointing to see. Um, it, it's weird in a way because there are other players that sort of appraised for that sort of fieriness about them. Katie McKay being one of them. You know, everyone talks about. We've seen it before where Kate, um, Katie's literally done a throw-in straight on Chloe Kelly's head and stuff like it's, that. And it's, it's a long-running joke. I think there's actually a Twitter account called "Has Katie Been Booked or something like that. It's she's you know that's yeah, one of it's, strengths as a player. Yeah. It, it, it's it's something that confuses me a little bit because everyone's sort of praising Katie for having that knack about her and, and sort of, you know, being that kind of player that, that's aggressive and, and stuff like that. And sort of at the same time, Lauren James is being vilified for it in a way, which is, is a little bit disappointing to see. I, I think it's maybe how Lauren, I guess, channels that sort of, anger when you know and frustration in games moving forward and things like that but it, it is a weird one um but I, I think if anything it, it was really disappointing to see that that Chelsea had to come out with a statement the other day about the abuse that Lauren was receiving as a result because you know that that's there's no place for that anywhere in in society let alone football so um you know whether or not she should have been sent off is is one thing, but that's no excuse to for anyone really to to go and abuse the player because of it. And um, for such a young player as well, you know, you, you don't want to be piling on her in in any way whatsoever. I completely agree. I think it's there's a, a fairness, a validity in critiquing her play and her skills, but when it gets personal, as we know, it's not acceptable anywhere. Um, we could talk about Arsenal and Chelsea all day, but there's lots of other teams. Let's head over to Manchester. Man City beat Villa 1-0 and uh, Man United with another great result, 4-0 away to Tottenham. Let's look at City first. Uh, brace from Lauren Hemp. Is she quietly going about her business, but really starting to find some form this season, Jack? Yeah, she. she for me, I, I think so far this season, she's sort of been the most in form of those those England wide forwards where obviously there's a, a real selection problem going forward potentially for Serena Vigman. Now Beth Mead's back and she's in form as well and she played brilliantly in both the both the Nations League games. But yeah, I think Lauren Hemp's been uh, been consistent throughout the season, probably been along with Jill Rudd, maybe Manchester City's best player. Um the, the I mean the the goals on on Saturday I thought were, were it was more poor defending than, than Lauren Hemp doing anything spectacular. But, you know, she was there. She was in the right place at the right time. And for someone who's like obviously not the tallest um, or, or most dominant, you'd expect to be the most dominant in the air, she's starting to score a lot of goals with her head as well, which is always a bonus. Uh, um, and yeah, it's a cl- classic, classic from her really, just sort of being in the right place at the right time. 
I think Villa, like I say, would be really disappointed with the the manner of the goals they conceded. But yeah, it's, it's just it's it seems to be what City are doing at the moment. Just yeah, just like you say, quietly going about about their business and and picking up wins when they they weren't great in the first half, but they they still managed to get the job done. Um, and with a, like, I still think the front line of of Lauren Hemp, Chloe Kelly, and and Khadija Shaw. That's I don't think any that front three would be out of place at any team in the world, let alone at, um, at Manchester City. I think, yeah, it's probably still the strongest front three in the league, potentially. So, yeah, re- really big, a big win for them. And the way they've, considering that if they'd lost that that Manchester derby a few weeks back, they'd have probably been already out of the title race. They've uh, they've responded in really well. Hannah, what's, what's the mood like at Villa at the moment? Obviously, we've got um, one game before the Christmas break. Is, is it a sense that they kind of need this time to maybe go away and regroup? They had such a great season last year. And although I expect them to stay up, they've not been as impressive. Um, is What's what's the sense of the club at the moment? Yeah, it's been, you know, miles, miles away from what they were last last season. You, you felt on Saturday that, that they they were maybe close. I mean, Man, Man City are a team that, you know, last season especially, Villa had a very good record against, obviously beating them at home on the opening day, got a draw away from home and then obviously got past them in, in the FA Cup as well. So, you know, you felt like of all the sort of top teams, if there's a confidence that Villa can have going into a game against any of them, then it, then it would be Man City. And it looks to be panning out that way, obviously with, Daniel Turner putting them ahead in the first half with a, a very, very good goal. Um, but after that, it, it, it was kind of just one-way traffic and bar maybe one or two op- half opportunities that Villa had, um, they didn't really test after that and they kind of ended up defending for pretty much the entirety of the game. And when, you, when you're against opposition of Man City's calibre, they they will find a way through you eventually. And um so be it, you know, that, that, that's what happened. So I think from a Villa perspective, it was probably disappointing in a sense that whether or not it was because Man City was so good at just pinning them in and, and they couldn't get out their own half, you know, it might not have been by design, but, um, you know, Villa were quite sort of poor after going ahead in a way they, they defended resiliently, but, um, you know, so long as Man City are knocking on the door and, and you're not offering any kind of threat the other way, um, that can be what what happens. So, um, it, no doubt will be another frustrating one um, for Carla Ward and for Villa. Um, they have an opportunity. Um, WSL wise, I know there's Conti Cup games this week, but WSL wise, they've got a home game against Brighton, which will be a tough game. Um, you know, make make no mistake about it. That that will be a very very tough game to end the year on, but. If they can end the year on a positive note, then hopefully sort of going into the Christmas break and, and whether or not they, they turn to the transfer market in January, that might kind of be the the spark that they need really. But, um, you know, we, we've said it, I've said it a lot on, on the podcast in the last few weeks. It's It has been a very, very disappointing um, start to the season for Villa. Um, more so as well because they've, beca- they've come agonizingly close to getting some big results against very good teams and they've just not quite had the sort of that final five you know couple of percent to to get them over the line so um yeah it'll be a big big second half of the season for them and, and hopefully they can muster up some kind of fight back in similar fashion to the way that that Leicester did last year 
Jack, uh, Tottenham United, another great result for Man United. Looking at Tottenham, they had a good start to the season, but a 7-0 defeat and then a 4-0 defeat, um, both to Manchester Club City, then United. Maybe is that a bit of a reality check for them in that, yes, they are talented, but they're not quite there with the top clubs? Yeah, I mean, I think... uh... Robert Villan will certainly be disappointed to lose in, in that manner. I think if they'd have lost both games by, by a narrow scoreline, you'd probably say, well, that's fair enough. That's where they should be at the moment. I think the the the, the scoreline, obviously, on both has certainly surprised me considering how well they, how, how solid they were defensively at the start of the season. Um, but I just, I just think they just seem to have run out of energy a little bit in the last few weeks, which could sometimes happen to teams. We've seen it in previous seasons as, as the Christmas break approach in this league, you know, is, is like a, it's a full month off um, from league football. And I think, you know, psychologically, naturally you, you're almost just waiting for, for it to end and, and perhaps winding down a little bit um, subconsciously. So, so yeah, they're disappointing results for, for Spurs, but um, uh, at least that they were able to bring Bethany England back um to the starting lineup on Sunday, which is a, a, a huge boost. I mean, it goes without saying how important she was to, to them staying up last season. So I think she'll naturally give them a lift. Um, obviously, they've got Northland, two North London derbies now, Conti Cup, and then uh, in the WSL as well. So that you know, you can't ask for two bigger fixtures really to try and g, g up and 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 get a performance out of the team. I particularly think, and I think as well that Spurs have played a lot better when I've 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 watched them over the last year when they've been playing at the the main stadium, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I think that really that even if the even if the attendances are always massive, I think it just gives them a, a real lift. That feels more like their home to me than uh, than playing at Leighton Orient. So. Uh, I, yeah, it's been a tough few weeks for them, but I'd, I'd expect a bit of a reaction on on Sunday, and uh, yeah, might might prove to be a difficult game for for Arsenal. Yeah, it could be very interesting. The Conti Cup um, games tonight and tomorrow. Hannah, Leicester got a two all draw at Brighton. Is is Leicester's problem this season been that they haven't been able to get the wins? They have the same most draws, same as Tottenham, which is three. Are they just struggling to get those results? after their impressive start to the season? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of been a bit of a, <clears throat> a trend of, of Leicester's season where they sort of do all the hard work almost. I mean, it's all of all of the games are hard work, let's be real, but sort of they, they do really well to, to get themselves into some really good positions. Obviously, getting ahead against Man United, getting ahead against Arsenal and, and seemingly cruising against Arsenal in a way. And then... Um, it was similar again against Brighton where they're 2-0 up and <clears throat> it's going into the final 10 minutes and, and they look to be on their way to a result. And then for some reason, they, they just can't see our game at the moment. And it, it's becoming a bit of a, a concerning trend. I mean, I wrote about it a, a few weeks ago and you know, sort of the same things happened again. So um, that's definitely something that I think sort of going into that winter break that, that Willie Kirk will will want to assess and, and want to get right in the second half of the season. I mean, you made it very clear at, at the beginning of the campaign that, that it, you know, it's still a work in progress and, you know, we probably won't see the very best of Leicester until the new year. So if that turns out to be true and, you know, they are in the position that they are in sort of not being at their best, then, you know, it, it, it can be a huge positive for them. And, you know, if they can kick on even more than they have done already, but, um, you know, I, I, I think what I will say is, it, you know, it is sort of 
I guess a one step at a time thing with Leicester I think in years gone by against teams like Chelsea against teams like Arsenal um especially um you know they, they, they wouldn't be scoring any goals that they, they wouldn't sort of be testing them or, or challenging them in any way um and and that is gradually starting to change now they are getting the goals they are getting themselves selves into into a good position even if even if they can't quite see it out um it it seems to be a step in the right direction at least the, the Brighton one for me was probably the most disappointing because you know that is a team that you would expect this current Leicester team to, to beat especially when you're 2-0 up going into the final 10 minutes so to sort of throw that lead away in, in the manner in which they didn't they could have lost the game you know, as, as well Elizabeth Turden could have quite easily got a hat trick if, if not for um, you know missing a very late chance so um, it, it, it's, it's something that I think will have to be addressed from a Leicester perspective um, during the winter break because it is a habit that they can't keep keep going on with because it, it's you know at some point it, it will cost them in, in more ways than one so um, yeah that that's probably the one thing that from Leicester's point of view is frustrating at the moment um, whether or not they can do a little bit of business in, in January, maybe bring in some defensive reinforcement. But um, yeah, it's a disappointing result given the way that the game went, but it is by no means the end of end of the world or a huge sort of alarm bells ringing or anything like that. So we have a couple of other games last weekend. Liverpool drew one on with Bristol City and Everton beat West Ham away. Jack, um, we, me and Beth were talking on the pod last week and saying we kind of feel like relegations between Bristol and West Ham. Thinking about West Ham, how much of a disappointment will it be for their fans? They had this big fanfare, you know, the investment, Jack Sullivan coming in and taking over, but they haven't progressed since then. Um, what's wrong? What's going on? What do they need to do? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question, really. I think that a club like West Ham is in a difficult spot of, they, they probably they, they've invested more, but they still can't perhaps be a, a, as ambitious as say like a Tottenham want to be, or even a, a Liverpool. We've seen how how the, their women's team sort of transferred in the uh, transformed in the last sort of year or so. Um, so I think they're just in a difficult spot in the league, really, where like survival is probably the best they can hope for at the moment. Um, I think they've got a, you know Rianne Skin as a, a sort of safe pair of hands manager. She's experienced within the league. Um, she'll I'd like to think that she, over the course of the season, she'll maximise the squad she's given. But I just don't see that team as being any better, really, than than yeah, sort of a tenth or or ninth best squad in the league. Um, it's obviously still yeah, if they got sucked into a relegation battle with Bristol, I suppose that's still underperforming, really. Um, but they, they they need they need points, they need they need results quickly because yeah, I think it's a one win from from their first nine games now, which is yeah, it's it's, it's relegation form. Um, but I think yeah, perhaps it could be a little bit like Tottenham last season, where a a, a big January signing is needed to really to really turn them around. Otherwise, yeah, you, you do fear for West Ham. Yeah, Hannah, quickly thinking about Tottenham, Bristol City. I mean, I would say it's a better result for Bristol than it is for Tot uh, Liverpool, Bristol City. Sorry, not Tottenham. Tottenham on the brain this weekend. Um, Liverpool, Bristol City. It's actually a really good point for Bristol City. Um, do you think they're kind of finding their feet in the league? You know, obviously it wasn't, they've only had one win, but their games, it seems like they're getting a bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident in themselves. 
Yeah, I, I think that's sort of been building um, over the last few weeks. Um, you know, obviously when Arsenal came to Ashton Gate, it, it wasn't, you know, by any means a straightforward game for Arsenal. Obviously they got, got the result in the end, but it, it was a tough night for them. Um, and it was tough for Villa as well. And when, when they went there, it, it sort of took... Um, sort of two moments of quality really from Ebony Salmon in the second half to, to get Villa over the line in that game and um, you know that there, there has been a lot of games this season where they've challenged and you know and, you know looked there or thereabouts and um, Liverpool at, at the weekend was another one I, I think if anything it, there will be a sense of disappointment because they got themselves in front um, you know against a very good Liverpool team and weren't quite able to see it out um, you know I, I don't really think Liverpool deserved anything from that game they weren't particularly great but but that's why you sign players like Sophie Roman Hogg who can sort of save you in 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 the moments where you're you're not performing as well, so um, definitely a more disappointing from a Liverpool perspective. But that's largely given the performance rather than the result. I think Liverpool are, are very healthy in a very healthy position in the table at the moment. We describe Liverpool possibly the best of the rest at the moment. Um, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the table, that's sort of where they are, and and they're not too far off. Um, you know the likes of Man United at fifteen, like three points off Man United. So, um, you know, not to say for a second that Liverpool will be anywhere near a title race because no doubt that will sort of sort itself out in the second half of the season. But if they can sort of keep the pace and and keep themselves close, then sort of you know who, who knows what can happen. All it takes is one of the teams above them to sort of have a drop in form, and and you know who knows. But um. Yeah, it's it's a disappointing result from a Liverpool perspective because that is a game you would expect them to win. Um, but but for Bristol City, every point matters. I, I think at this stage of the season, and when you are in in any kind of relegation battle, and, and a point against a, a pretty good Liverpool team is isn't isn't too bad. But um, yeah, they they probably would have needed the win from that, given that that they were ahead. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how they perform against Chelsea at the weekend. So, um, yeah, that would be sort of another one to keep an eye on, whether or not that, you know, Bristol City can capitalise on on maybe Chelsea's poor run of form. Well, it's not a run of form, really. It's one game. But, <laughs> but, but, but given the high standards, it yeah, feels yeah. like you know, one, one bad game for them is a poor run of form because we're so used to their amazing... Yeah, yeah absolutely. Content. And it's just, um, you know, confidence might be a little bit low after that and it's whether or not you can sort of capitalise on it but at the same time you would fully expect Chelsea to go out there with a bit of a, a vengeance and, and want to sort of right that wrong of, of the Arsenal game and sort of finish the year on a bit of a bang and, and that very much could come at Bristol City's expense. Before we look at this weekend's weekend's fixtures because we're running out of time I just want to remind everyone about our monthly newspaper Women's Football News covers everything in the world of women's football we have columnists like Jackie Oatley you can win the first Panini WSL collection Um, got got swap isn't that what the kids used to say I'm a bit old for that there's loads of news England Chelsea West Ham some great articles you can pick it up at your local store or go online to readshots.co.uk 
forward slash women's football. So as we mentioned earlier this weekend, Tottenham v Arsenal, Man United v Liverpool, Everton v Man City, Bristol City v Chelsea, Leicester host West Ham and Aston Villa host Brighton. I'm going to keep it short and sweet and ask you both a question. Who is going to be at the top of the table as we head into the Christmas break? I, I think I'm going to stick with uh, Chelsea and Natasha, despite as uh, Hannah's just pointed out, uh, they're, they're in crisis now. They're in a poor run of form after, <laughs> after that long game. Um, but yeah, I think they, they, I think it'll be difficult actually because Bristol City are always, like we said, have always been competitive in almost every game, even the games have not, they've uh, lost this season. They, they always seem to give it a good bash. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd fancy Chelsea. Obviously they've got Hacken as well in the Champions League on tomorrow night, which will be a, a, a really difficult game as well, actually, I think. Um, so if they, they don't win there, then potentially there could be a little yeah a little bit more riding on it on Sunday. But I'd, I'd bat them to just about get the job done against Bristol and uh, and go into Christmas top of the table. Hang on. Chelsea. Um, I'm, I'm feeling hurt here. <laughs> no, it's, I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I fully think, you know, they'll be level on points, obviously, as they are at the moment. Um, I just expect both Chelsea and Arsenal Um to win their games at the weekend. But obviously with Chelsea being against Bristol City, that is the kind of game where Chelsea are very capable of, of sticking six or seven past them. Um, we said it won't be an easy game and it probably won't, but we know that Chelsea are capable of doing that. And if if the Chelsea team at their very best turn up against Bristol City, then then it could be a very long afternoon for them. And, and just purely sort of on goal difference, Chelsea will be top. But I, I do expect Arsenal to be there or thereabouts. I'd be quite shocked if they didn't um, go on and, and beat Tottenham at the weekend, even though it is a, a North London derby and those are definitely not easy. Um, so it, it will be incredibly tight and I do think they'll be level on points. But um, Chelsea's goal difference will, will, will probably keep them top come Christmas. Surprisingly, the game I'm looking most forward to is Man United-Liverpool. I think that's going to be, you know, the clubs have history generally and I think that's going to be a really good opportunity for Man United to show if they really are title challengers because Liverpool won't be easy. (laughs) They won't make it easy for them. I would like to, we've run out of time now, so we're going to shoot. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jack. And thank you for listening. You can find us on all your socials at Our Women's Football, and we will see you again next week. <laughs>